Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to the 496th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. The chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer to the best of my abilities. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, on Friday night, the uh, MLS Players Association, along with the commissioner of MLS and Don Garber, they have come to a tentative agreement uh, on the parameters of fixing the collective bargaining agreement, the CBA. And right now, part one has been fulfilled. We have to wait till we get to part two. So, And that means both sides, respectively, signing the collective bargaining agreement for the next seven years. I think that is a uh, – six, seven years, I should say. That is a very, very – a uh, good thing to see so far, but until it is officially ratified, we will not report anything more until the document has been ratified completely. So until that time has come, we will discuss it here on the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show, um, 496th edition of this program. Uh, you know, this show has been going on and strong for the last 10 plus years. Uh, and this is officially four episodes away from the 500 mark. Of course, I've had many, many shows talking about the sport in this country, along with, of course, the U.S. Open Cup review shows, the CONCACAF Gold Cup, CONCACAF Champions League, FIFA tournaments. Under-20 World Cup. Uh, hopefully we can talk some Olympics when it comes up next month. And, of course, the schedule for the Olympic qualifiers has now come back. The schedule for the Olympics will start around mid-March all the way to the end of March. So group stage uh, we will have on Thursday, March 18th, uh, USA hosts, excuse me, USA versus Costa Rica, while Mexico hosts the Dominican Republic, and that will all start at five o'clock Eastern time. And then on the Friday, March nineteenth, Honduras versus Haiti, Canada versus El Salvador, and then a break on Saturday. On Sunday, March twenty-first, it will be Dominican Republic versus the United States, and then Costa Rica will take on Mexico. And then Monday, March 22nd, it will be Haiti versus Canada and El Salvador versus Honduras. And then a break on Tuesday, Wednesday, March 24th, Costa Rica will host the Dominican Republic while the big battle between Mexico and the United States will happen at 9.30 in the evening. And that should be very exciting to talk about. And then, of course, on Thursday, March 25th, that will be the final group stage match. Of course, El Salvador versus Haiti, Honduras versus Canada, and then we go to the semifinals on Sunday, March the 28th. 1B will host 2A at 6 o'clock at night, and then at 9 o'clock Eastern, 1A will host 2B. That should be uh, interesting to watch. And then the final, and let me just say this, whoever wins the semifinals of this Olympic qualifying tournament will advance to the Olympics in Japan this upcoming summer, and then on finally Tuesday, March 30th, will be the Olympic qualifying uh, championship final tournament, and that will be on Tuesday, March the 30th at Akron Stadium. Of course, the winner of semifinals one will host winners of the semifinal number two, and that should be fun. And, of course, you'll see it all in English on Fox Sports and all in Spanish on TUDN, which will be very exciting. Here's something I want to talk to everyone about. Um, and usually I don't talk about these things, but sometimes I think it's better to discuss it because it's very interesting to see what P- 
people do when they start up their own either uh, podcast, uh, whether it's all going to be recorded, live stream, or now everyone's using uh, YouTube, Zoom, um, and uh, Vimo, maybe Tubi now, which has just been popping up recently, you know, when you put your thoughts, your voice, and your ideas on the line, people will gravitate towards you while you are trying to move on with uh, your thoughts because people believe in what you're saying. People will believe in your thoughts, in your ideas. And, you know, that is the territory that basically you have to put yourself in front of. And yes, there will be people that will go after you because they want to get to you. They'll be overly emotional about it. They're going to try and unsettle you, unseat you. They're going to make you feel uncomfortable. I think when I started doing this, what were my intentions? Well, my intentions in reality was to go out uh, and cover the game because when you know my background is in sports news, basically, not in the writing aspect at first, more of videotaping, producing highlights, watching, recording, handing things over to an editor, editing certain things myself, production company, working with, of course, um, a comp- you know, working with NBC News at that time to get sports highlights to everyone. Uh, in every market out there. And, you know, of course I wanted to play professional sports, but uh, just didn't have enough in there to do so. And it wasn't really given a fair shot at it. So I went along this career. And so far, what I have done is basically given you guys my thoughts, my opinions, acting like a professional sports radio station host. Even though I have used, uh, I've been using Blog Talk Radio for the last 10, 10, 11 years or so. This is season number 12 right now uh, on blogtalkradio.com. What I have done is I have tried to give you a professional take of American soccer from top to bottom. Not just with Major League Soccer, United Soccer Leagues, all the leagues involved, the NPSL, of course. And I am very close to, <coughs> pardon me, 200,000 listens when it comes to this show. And I'm very happy that all of you have really taken to heart what I have been doing to give honest coverage of our game here in this country. Now, there are those that are probably going to just do it for fun. There are those that are probably going to do it just for the heck of it. And for the truth is, is that there will be some people out there that cannot handle it. Now, one of those people was a gentleman I just saw on Twitter. Um, I thought I saved the video, but I guess not. But that's okay. There will be some that will be basically doing it for fun, just putting out their opinions, but then they get, uh, you know, insulted very quickly. They don't know how to take it. They don't have a a thick skin. And so, basically, all he's trying to do is have a little fun and, you know, not be considered uh, the number one voice, or at least he feels he's the voice of, you know, how you're supporting uh, your club or the voice of, you know, talking about the sport in their country. He broke down and cried. 
Now, let me just say this. Not everyone is fit. At the same time, not everyone is able to do these things that others are able to do. They think it'll be a fun thing to do. Just throw your opinions out there. It's no big deal. But then again, when it gets serious, people will go after you. All I'm saying is this. I'm not trying to berate the person. I'm not trying to tell you that he stinks because that's not my job. Yes, he's from England. Yes, he cover, he's a supporter of Liverpool, but that's beside the point. The point is, is that if you don't have the stomach to give hard-nosed opinions about a club, about the sport in your country, well, then the point is, is that you've got to find a way to make yourself look good without having to give a hot take and get buried for it. And that's all it is, really. That's all it is. Because in this day and age, fan media is the way to go. Now, while granted, this may be fan media for me or for most of you, uh, I have treated this not as fan media. I have treated this as a serious situation. It's not so much where have I learned my craft, but how I've done it. Now, you know, I would love to be like ESPN Plus or ESPN FC, uh, Fox Sports Radio if there's an opportunity. Uh, But the truth is, is that they don't see it like that because they consider me as fan media, which is not true. I have given you my two cents every single time I have discussed the sport here in our country because I give a damn about it because I want to give my opinion about it and to continue on and act like a professional. You know, in New York City, it's Mike Francesa who is considered the upper echelon of sports talk radio. He is the one that has set the standard. And at times, there have been others that have done better than him. And once again, I can only go by the New York sports radio show hosts that have done the job. Michael Kay is one on ESPN Radio New York. But the truth is, is this, is that if you're looking for someone like myself, and granted, I'm not on every single day in the, in the uh, you know on the weekday from Monday through Friday. I try my best to do so. Some interference, of course, but if someone wants to give me an opportunity, I'd be glad to do so. Glad to do so. So just hang on tight, move forward, and if you're going to do it for fun, then all I can say is is that don't overdo it and just have fun. But if you're going to be a serious voice for the sport or for the club that you're going to be, uh, you know, talking about, whether it be audio or video, make sure, make, make very, very sure you know exactly what you are doing. Make sure you know exactly what you're doing because if you are going to go out and make a mess of it, And so far, I have seen tons of messes involving covering either professional sports or amateur sports. It is not good. And you'll be considered a a joke and a moron, whether you like it or not. But if you're going to remain solid and do a good job, then just make sure you have a clear voice, clear thoughts. And just move on and do the best you can. If it's more than if it's more uh, for advice, then fine, so be it. But at least know where you're going with what you're doing, because there will be those that are ready to pounce on you every single time you make a mistake. 
Uh, normally, we're supposed to have a guest from the Premier Amateur Soccer League. Something has come up, unfortunately, before the show got started, so I had to make a switch. But thankfully, my guest that has come on tonight um, has saved the show, so I'm very grateful about it. Of course, Red Bull Nation for New York Sports um, Nation.com, and of course, oh, the cup.us. Uh, we got on Michael Batista, who of course covers the U.S. Open Cup for Josh Hackle's site, and we're going to talk about the up and coming 2021 Open Cup tournament, which of course has just been um, published from Sports Illustrated by Brian Strauss. Uh, and we're going to talk about it. Michael, good evening. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very good, and you know, I, just like you, you know, I think I was ready to throw out my two cents on this. I was ready to go out and either lambaste U.S. Soccer and their Open Cup committee, including the commissioner and Paul Marstaller, but I kind of held back a little bit. Now, even though I am not in favor of this idea, I think we all have to understand, Michael, that we're still currently in a pandemic. Yes, we've all gotten, I mean, I shouldn't say all of us have gotten our vaccinations. There's still been some difficulties getting these vaccinations uh, rolled out. But would you say that, you know, something like this is something maybe you wanted from last year's tournament to say, let's just keep it on, just just keep it going and not make it for this year? Yeah, this is exactly the kind of thing I wanted last year. I remember um, when I came on your show when the Cup got canceled back in 2020, I talked about how one of the original ideas that me and Josh just kind of had fun with because we had so much downtime with no tournament, I just came up with a a, a make-believe tournament of a Cup Winner's Cup of all the 2019 teams that won a trophy uh, from – the four professional soccer leagues and then uh, open division and just put them in a tournament. And to be honest, it kind of looks like we're going that route right now, but we might have a couple extras um, with the 24 team proposal. Uh, the announcement's going to come out tomorrow. Of course, U.S. soccer seems to be doing the announcement tomorrow. Uh, and there's, and like, they're going to finalize some details, but uh, from what I'm hearing from teams, this it's pretty much that, and it could even get even closer to the idea I was so for last year. Yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and tell everyone. Of course, uh, this is from you know the uh, article from Brian Strauss. At the moment, it looks like 24 teams, eight MLS teams will be, I guess, allowed. Um, remaining 16 sides will compete. Excuse me, will comprise of. USL, NISA, and the Open Division, which will be USL League Two and NPSL. Uh, it's going to start on May 4th or 5th uh, with a final on Tuesday, June 29th, through, or on Wednesday, June the 30th. Uh, winner qualifies for the 2022 CONCACAF Champions League. You yeah. know... Um, you know, you. I mean, look. I I am trying to find a way to not land base U.S. soccer, and I understand what's going on. And they want to have an Open Cup tournament. They all know how important the Open Cup is to not just the amateur teams or the Open Division teams, but the majority of these clubs in USL League One, USL Championship, and those clubs in Major League Soccer. They want their opportunity to fight for. Uh, the national championship of American soccer uh, to be played. Because let's be honest, right now we're in a situation where it doesn't look like we're going to get a true open cup like we've had before last season's edition was canceled. Yeah, it's looking more like this is the best option currently on the table. And for the 36 open division teams, it's looking like that's getting whittled down to four. And if you're one of the 32 that are going to be left on the outside, like looking in, you're going to – and I don't know if U.S. soccer is going to have a, a plan for them for 2022 or if it's just, well, you've got to go back into qualifying. Maybe we'll throw you a bone and give you a bye. I don't know, but it's 
I, I, I feel I, you all, I'm pretty sure they're going to feel sad, but they also understand what's going on. And the same is going to happen with the, what, the 16 MLS teams that are going to be left on the outside looking in. They're going to be like, well, I guess we got to go out and win the league, but they're going to have to understand. No, I guess so. I mean, I'll, as you know, I do host the NPSL soccer show, so I'm going to have to have a, a quick talk with some of those clubs that were itching to get back into it. I mean, I don't know uh, what's going on. I mean, I would like to think that there would be some matches that might have to be, you know, doubling as, <laughs> how dare I even say this again, Open Cup qualifiers, um, which I think would be a very, very bad idea. I mean, I think the truth is is this. If we're going to well, talk well, before, about before you, bringing back the before open. you say that uh-huh. before you say that I've actually I've gotten contacted by at least by two separate MPSL MPSL teams and they've both said um, we're putting our name forward advocating that we should get the NPSL berth into the Open Cup because I guess it's coming down to the leagues uh, to determine how they because even in the uh, Sports Illustrated story it says that the leagues put forth who they want to put in but the Open Cup committee has final say on, like, if they accept that or not. So it seems like NPSL mm-hmm. teams are now just putting their resumes forward going, hey, how about this, which is just insane to me. Yeah. No, I think it is. I, I think it's very insane. I, I, I just – I mean, look, if that's what's going to happen, that's what's going to happen. But I'll just say this. And I'm trying to – I mean, I guess I'm, I'm, if I'm trying to be politically correct or anything like that, but at least I want to say that. I mean, look, if the leagues are accepting this, then so be it. But still, though, mm. I mean, you, you would like to think that, you know, would you say maybe if they do this, the fairest way for both, like, USL League Two sides and NPSL sides would to have matches, regular season matches, double as Open Cup qualifiers? I mean, do you think that should be uh, reconstituted back in for this particular edition? I mean... In a perfect world, yeah, but I don't know what the, the, the timeline's not going to work for that. Um, this, the, I don't think the timeline will work for that at all because uh, it's suppo- like the date for confirming the opening round is late March, uh, from what I've been told, and like opening mm-hmm. round matchups are going to be announced on March or like on March thirty first. So there's no way PSL right. is going to kick off. Uh, in mid-March, uh, I, or yeah. USL League 2 is going to do that either. Well, I guess that's the, that's the particular situation, isn't it? And that's really tough. Um, I'll be honest with you. I thought we're going to have uh, full open cup, a full Open Cup uh, season. I mean, I understand uh, there's going to be triple match days in September and October for uh, World Cup qualifying. For CONCACAF, obviously, and that's going to be very difficult. Um, and, you know, I, I really thought that they'd find a way to sneak in or squeeze in some of these Open Cup games later in the year. But, you know, as we've already been seeing so far, that doesn't seem to be the case. You, what would you think would be the best, uh, the, the best scenario outside of this particular setup? Do you think we're going to have a full Open Cup uh, calendar for 2022, or do you think it's going to happen in 2023? I I don't like to – with you know what? If you asked me this question last year, I would have said 2021, things are back to normal. Uh, and over the course of mm-hmm. 12 months, I kind of just – I have kind of just had that idea and that mentality sort of shaken out of me. Um, personally, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to get back to full 100-team – uh, normality until 2023, just because uh, mm-hmm. vaccinations going at this pace. Uh, I still think that you're going to have, you're going to have like some sort of like shaking out next year. And then by 2023, I think that's going to be the first true open cup we have again, but I don't even want, I don't even know what 2022 is looking like. I'm still trying to figure out the 2021 picture, you know? Yeah, of course. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm still trying to figure that out myself, to be honest with you. Uh want to see how 2021 is going to develop. And um, once again, Brian Strauss does an excellent job covering soccer in the United States. And hopefully we can uh, get some answers and uh, this whole situation will come out as quickly as possible. 
Um, I'm, I'm, from what yeah. I, I think the answers are going to come out tomorrow at 11 a.m. I think that's when U.S. Soccer is going to start mm-hmm. bringing stuff out. Um, so you should keep an eye on USSoccer.com because they're going to because the, the the article that came out of Sports Illustrated it had quotes on the record. It's it's something that it's ready to boil. It is, it is because you know, don't get me wrong, you got to find a way to bring back the Open Cup. And if this is in a short-term aspect, then then I don't mind it. But, you know, everyone wants to see everybody get a fair shot. And I really think the truth is is that if this is what it's going to be announced, and I, like you said, and we've already said Brian Strauss does have quotes on the article. Uh, he got it, you know, straight from the horse's mouth like he always does. Um I know everyone will, you know, that watches the Open Cup that wants to see these opening rounds have these great games to start off uh, every Open Cup tournament, but it's going to be difficult. I, I and once again, you know, this pandemic. Hopefully, once we get everyone vaccinated, um, that we won't have to worry about these sort of things anymore. That we can we can get back to a full Open Cup tournament season. Would would you agree? But. I would agree, but also on the same like same coin, different side. This is probably the best chance for a lower division team to win the U.S. Open Cup in the modern era uh, since 1995, because 1995 and 96 they had they had like 16 teams. It, it was a smaller tournament. Now you have teams that if this does start in May, you're going to have eight MLS teams who have a bye to the. You're going to have eight MLS teams uh, against. Eight non-division teams. Every MLS team is going to play a non-MLS team at least once to win this tournament. There, there, there is so much opportunity for cup set here. And who knows, with this wacky 2021, you could see a final that has a USL championship team. I'm, I, I, think that, I think that normality is going to happen, and at least one MLS team is going to get to the final. But I think that I will put money on at least one USL team getting to the final four. Yeah, I agree with you there. And let's not forget the Rochester Rhinos were the last lower division team uh, to win the Open Cup back in 1999. Charleston Battery, uh, last team under, uh, excuse me, last uh, lower league team uh, to get to a U.S. Open Cup final cause losing to D.C. United in the early 2000s. So, uh there's there's opportunity there for this year, you can say, but it's going to be interesting and it's going to be very very uh, weird, you might say, if we're going to uh, have this type of tournament uh, structure moving forward into 2021. Here, you know, once we get to um, May, I believe we're going to start this first round, so we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. Uh, just out of curiosity, have you been vaccinated yet, or you don't need it just now? Uh, I'm currently on the list waiting. Uh, I do not need it right now, but you know, I'm, I'm watching other people get it, you know, first responders, you know, emergency workers, they're all getting their shots. I don't mind waiting online, you know? Mm-hmm. Same here. Same here. I mean, I've already, uh, registered. I'm next group to, uh, try and get an, uh, an appointment to be re- uh, vaccinated. So I'm very patiently waiting to get my turn so I can, Uh, get the good old vaccination started. So it should be exciting, and I cannot wait because, let's be honest here, it's about time that we start uh, having these situations get fixed. But still, though, it's a very, very hard pill to swallow on the 2021 edition. But once again, uh, we are still in a pandemic, Michael, and uh, at the moment, this is what we're going to have to face. And uh, who knows if maybe vaccinations are... uh, absolutely uh, being rolled out as quickly as hopefully as they can be. Maybe they'll have some leeway and maybe open up a second round. We'll have to wait and see. But other than that, Michael, as always, uh, thank you very much for jumping on uh, on an emergency basis tonight. And uh, I will talk to you again soon. You have a good night, and thanks for the help, my friend. No problem. Enjoy your talk with Peter Will, and uh, thanks for having me on. No problem. Thank you. And uh, once again, that's Michael Batista from the Open, excuse me, uh, the Cup.us. They cover U.S. Open Cups every single year. Josh Hakala uh, is the executive producer for the website and anything and everything Open Cup 
follow him and uh, go ahead and give it an, uh, a good shot. So um, as we now tensions, of course, uh, we are going to have on, and I have to uh, get ready for this particular person because this man, you know, I, I have to say this about this man because this man does a wonderful job, a wonderful job of always getting clubs started no matter what league, what level they are on, no matter how he does it, no matter when he does it or who he does it for, he has the Midas touch when it comes to creating and bringing to life American club soccer sides. Peter Wilt joins me now tonight talking about his uh, Chicago side in the NISA and a lot of developments, and it's, uh, excuse me, including a uh, Name the Team contest that's been whittled down. Peter, good evening, and how are you tonight? Fantastic. Thank you having, for having me on, and thank you for those kind words. Always enjoy talking to you. Well, listen, you know, you have your top hat, you've got your magic wand, and every single time you have an epiphany, you just say the words abracadabra, and then boom, <laughs> here comes a club that you've created once again. You have the magic touch, Peter. There's no doubt about it. You know, if there, you know, let me just say this before I start asking you questions. If you know, if you get the opportunity to go to the National Soccer Hall of Fame in the Builder Department, you would be in my book, hands down, first ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, but it's too late for that. I was actually on the ballot last year, and I did not get in. And then I, I just saw I was on the ballot again this year because they kind of reconstituted the rules. And once again, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not included. So now I think the way they're doing it, I have to wait something like three or four more years before I'm eligible. Um, I appreciate it. I thank you. But I suspect um, I, I probably won't get in, or if I am, it may be long after I'm gone. <laughs> no, not that old gag. Come on, that's not fair. I guess we're gonna have to. I guess I'm gonna have to replay my uh, Hall of Fame shame episode from last year. Well, anyway, um, you know, obviously, uh, you've had a dream to come back to Chicago uh, and to build another club once again. Uh, you, of course, were helping to bring in NISA, National Independent Soccer Association. The league has been, I would say, strong for the last, I would say, year or two so far. Uh, you've had clubs uh, coming in. Um, one's on hiatus, which is, of course, at the New York Cosmos. Shame. Uh, but, you know, what have you seen so far uh, with Chicagoans not only it looks like the fire are back, but to see this club coming into play. Well, first of all, from a league perspective, I think Nisa's um, growth in the last year has been remarkable. I mean, during a pandemic, during a time when no other league is adding more than maybe one or two clubs, Nisa has managed to add several with several more in the pipeline. I mean, in addition to the Chicago Nisa team, we have the Maryland Bobcats and Rochester's uh, Flower City Union. And, you know, you, you see New Jersey Teamsters are kind of on the edge there. Uh, I think Stumptown looks like it's coming back. Uh, and, and there's others. Uh, I sit now on the ex expansion committee for, for NISA. So I see all the, the interested clubs and investors in the pipeline, and it's really remarkable uh, the, the progress that's going on. Uh, and as far as Chicago, I, I'm real pleased with where we're at. You know, we started this in September with the announcement that we were applying for a team. We were accepted uh, unanimously by the NISA board in early October. And so since then, what, we've had about four or five months of, of building this thing, um, working with community outreach, fan engagement, social media, staffing up, and we've, we're on track or maybe a little bit ahead of where I thought we would be. And we've got another, gosh, I guess six or seven months because we're uh, planning to start this fall with NISA's fall season. 
No, absolutely. And I see you've acquired SeatGeek Stadium uh, in Bridgeview, Illinois. And many thought that, uh, you know, when the fire left to go back to downtown Chicago to Soldier Field, that maybe that would be the end of the stadium. Um, I know that talking with Panathinaiko Chicago, they were planning to try and, uh, or at least they were trying to maybe um, move over there. There were plans to talk about maybe getting, their, you know, playing over there or playing somewhere else in Chicago. Rumors, of course. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but obviously with you, uh, you've already acquired it. What's it like to be back home, I guess, the stadium you kind of built, Peter? Well, it's wonderful. I was fortunate when I started the Chicago Red Stars women's team uh, to have our team play there. Uh, for our first few years, and of course the Red Stars are still there, and it, it's I uh, have a great relationship with Arnhem and the folks there, and I, it, it's it's great to ground share uh, with uh, one of the top women's soccer clubs in the world. Uh, so that's great, and it's a wonderful facility. The sight lines are great. Um, it feels and looks like a soccer stadium uh, because it was designed that way. It has a center entrance, player tunnel. Uh, it has the the sight lines made for soccer. It's got that stage on the one end. It's got a canopy roof over most of the seating area. It's got um, parking lots set up for tailgating. So I, I think um, in the response we've gotten has been terrific from from most of the fans. You know, geographically, there's uh, in a large metropolitan area, there's going to be some people that will find it hard to get there. But uh, certainly, most people are thrilled that we're we're, we're playing there, and the amenities are uh, can't be beat. Uh, the surface, playing surface, is great. The players I've talked to, the agents, uh, obviously our new coach C.J. Brown, are all very excited where the team is going to play. Talking about C.J. Brown, of course, you know he's been you know one of the best defenders Major League Soccer's ever had. Uh, back in the day, of course, uh, played most of his career with Chicago, uh, was a part of Chris Armas' uh, coaching staff when he was with the New York Red Bulls. You know Chris, of course, as well as I do. Um, you know, what gave you the confidence to say, CJ, I'm going to elevate you to becoming a head coach for this new NISA team? And at the same time, I believe he's also um, sporting director as well, or is that just... Uh, yeah, no, you're right. He's a technical a, director. You're right. Uh, CJ is, mm-hmm. is the technical director as well as the head coach. I've obviously known CJ since I drafted him in 1998 with the Chicago Fire. He was um, the first draft pick I ever made with the Fire and was a key part of all those championship teams we had there, winning the MLS Cup in our first year, the U.S. Open Cup in 98, 2000, 2003, and 2006, winning the Supporters' Shield in 2003. And being the most popular player on the fire, he was the guy who uh, would never say no to a a personal appearance, do soccer clinics, um, coach youth soccer teams, and sign autographs early and often. So he was very popular. I knew it would be a popular choice from that regard. But I've also known CJ as a soccer coach. He's been an assistant coach in Major League Soccer for five teams. He's uh, done well uh, wherever he's gone, and he's learned from different head coaches. And I think that's important. You know, he obviously played under Bob Bradley and Dave Sarakin and learned much from them. Uh, He had 15 national team caps, so he learned from some of the national team coaches. And uh, obviously very close with Chris Armas and and, and did well there. So uh, he played or he coached under Jason Kreiss at uh, several locations. He was obviously in New York City FC and Real Salt Lake, and then uh, he went down to Orlando City. So he's had some great experiences. I actually tried to hire CJ as our head coach uh, earlier uh, in, in, in our careers, and he, he was in one place and I was in a different place, and it didn't work out. So we, we kind of knew at some point we would work together again, and I'm thrilled that uh, we're able to do it in Chicago. I think it's a good situation for him, for his family, and frankly for me. I'm, I'm very excited to be able to have him uh, working along my side. Absolutely, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do there. Um, you have the Name the Team contest for your Chicago side in NISA. Um, I know you've whittled, you've whittled it down to maybe four, five, six names so far. Um, We're down to two. Out of We're all down to these, two. You're down to two now. 
Oh my goodness! Yes. You're down to two. So, it's so who is? So, it's 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 amazing. So, who are? What are the names? If you can divulge, you know that is down to two, and to all the supporters that are interested in naming this new Chicago side, you know how much love and effect and affection did these supporters show you that they want this Nissa team to be uh, not just popular but also to be successful? Well, I think they really appreciate that we've asked their opinions. And it's an advisory poll. We asked for submissions that were based on Chicago's history, tradition, culture, uh, the nature of the area. And we had uh, 400, 500 submissions. And we narrowed it down to 68 and put it in a March Madness format and then had the fans vote themselves. And the, phone, the fans uh, have narrowed it to two. The finalists are Point Chicago and Chicago House. Both are, uh, have, have Chicago tradition behind it. Point is named after the founder of Chicago, a gentleman named Point du Sable, who was a black immigrant, a uh, Haitian immigrant in the 1790s who set up uh, the first homestead on the Chicago River. And many Chicagoans don't even know that Point du Sable was the founder of the city. So I think it's kind of a neat thing to have this as one of the finalists and serves as an educational tool to let people know that uh, Point du Sable was the founder. The other name, Chicago House, has several meanings. Uh, certainly it's an homage to Chicago house music, the genre of music that was formed in Chicago in the late 1970s and the early 1980s, and then was exported, uh, first exported uh, to New York and London or Manchester, England, and then throughout the world. And it continues uh, to make inroads worldwide. Uh, but it also uh, pays homage to a couple of social service organizations, the historic Jane Addams Hall House and the Chicago House Social Service Organization, which was created in the 1980s to support AIDS and HIV patients and continues to this day to provide support for the LGBTQ community. And we want this team, regardless of what the name is going to be, we want this team to serve as a platform for social justice, racial equality, diversity, inclusiveness, and outreach to the underserved. There's been a lot of sports teams in the past few years, especially I think on the heels of Colin Kaepernick and the Black Lives Matter movement, to dip their toe in the water of social justice. We believe with the soccer team that we have a responsibility to not only be a community asset, but to act in ways that make Chicago a better place to live, work, and play. And that means taking a stand on human rights. You know, some people have told me they don't think sports teams should get mixed in with politics. But I don't see this so much as politics as it is in basic human rights. And we're committing to have an organization that is majority people of color, Obviously, C.J. Brown is a black man and is our head coach. Uh, he has not announced his assistant coaches yet, but I know uh, his uh, two top assistants are both going to be, um, uh, we'll see, what would have been considered minorities in the past. Chicago is now a majority-minority mm -hmm. city, so we don't even refer mm -hmm. to people of color as minority. And uh, right. that's important. Same with the front office, because you want a staff that will reflect the community you're serving. We're structured corporately as a public benefit corporation, so we're going to hold ourselves accountable to make Chicago better, to treat our customers fairly, to treat our employees fairly, to be transparent, uh, be as open sourced as we can. We've started a fan advisory council already, and they've been immensely mm -hmm. helpful in, in getting their feedback and guidance in how we should start this team. That's fantastic. And that's always great to have. You always want to hear what your supporters have to say. And that's a wonderful job by you, Peter. Great job by you going through this. If I can just ask you this, 
you started the fire back in 1998. I know a year before that, but still, though, the club started in 1998. Right. Chicago Red Stars in uh, women's professional club soccer, uh, Indy 11, USL Championship League, uh, Forward Madison, USL League One. Now you're in the NISA with this new Chicago side, and I am going to be very interested to hear what the officially the name will be associated with this club. I know you're almost done building this team, but outside of NISA, or if you want to include it, that's fine. Which club are you most proud of, or is it the whole situation you've been involved with? I appreciate that question. In some ways, it's like picking your favorite child, right? Because these are all my babies. That's correct. Uh, but <laughs> but I'll, I, you know, I won't take that easy out. I'll pick one for you. And it might surprise you in that it's none of the ones you mentioned. It's this um, little-known indoor soccer team called the Chicago Riot. The Chicago Riot played only one season in the major indoor soccer league. And it was a year when the league was about to fold, they were down to four teams, and the owners decided they needed to have a fifth team in order to keep the league alive. I was running the Milwaukee Wave at the time, and the owner of the Wave and the other owners in the league asked me if I would go to Chicago on 35 days' notice before our first game and start a team there. We used the, the players from the previous year's Rockford team, and we played at the Odium in the suburbs of Chicago, and we put together, I'll say, more than a credible team. We fought close. We went down to, I think, the last game for a playoff spot, and um, the referees kind of made sure that we didn't get in the playoffs because I think that would have hurt the owners of the other teams because it was the other team owners that were funding it. And unfortunately, they didn't fund it all the way uh, to the end. So myself and uh, the players and staff and coaches are still owed some money, which we would love to see someday. But we did, quote, quote, better financially that year than any of the other teams in the league. Granted, there are only four other teams. Uh, but they all lost you know, well into six figures, close to seven figures. And it was that Chicago Riot team that really created something special. You know, it was a venue of maybe 2,000, 2,500, so a small venue. But uh, we got, uh, you know, certainly over 1,000 fans a game, and they created a great atmosphere, and it created a family. And I'm very proud of what we did and how we did it. Um, so, you know, certainly I love all my babies, but uh, don't forget about the riot. I won't. Now that I know about it, I won't forget about it. I promise you that. Peter, <laughs> thank you again for your time. I really uh, very appreciated of you always coming on the show. I'm very glad to have you on as many times as possible. Uh, and when it is officially announced uh, the name of the new Chicago NISA team, please come back on because I really want to talk about it some more. So thank you very My much. Pleasure. Have a good night, and, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Daniel. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. It's Peter Wilt. Of course, always finds a way to build a winner, no matter what level of soccer it is. Outdoor, indoor, major league, lower league, does not matter. This man deserves to have a Hall of Fame red jacket from the uh, Soccer Hall of Fame over in Frisco, Texas. You know... um, This is why I always ask this question. This is why I always challenge the National Soccer Hall of Fame because are we truly bringing in people that have done the things that you would expect to help create only magic on the field, magic off the field, and the success that they have had to help build this sport in our country. A lot of politics are going on. Uh, The politics should not be uh, involved here. It should be straightforward, very simple. Allow us that should be able to have a vote to put them into the National Soccer Hall of Fame. That's what it should be. And if not, then we need new people to vote for the players, 
builders and those people that have made this sport and this game as fantastic as they have from the past, and they should be honored and cherished right up to now. Um, so before we say goodnight tonight, uh, wonderful news, of course, MLS, MLS Players Association have a tentative agreement of their CBA. It looks like, you know, we have to wait for the official ratification of it, and we'll get to that soon. But the opening weekend of MLS will be April 3rd and 4th, so that should be exciting and fun. But also, let me just say this. Let me, let me also just say this. Um, you have to wait until everything is officially ratified and everything is officially done and dusted, and then we can celebrate MLS having a season in 2021 and so on. But, you know, with this new situation, of course, the next two days here on the Four Seasons Fire American Soccer Show, CONCACAF Champions League, there will be expansion to the tournament starting in the 2023-2024 session, uh, which we will have 2023 springtime, uh, the last edition of the regular way, which would just be group stage, excuse me, knockout stage, and now a brand new way to see who will qualify for the CONCACAF title. And it should be excellent and fun. Of course, John Jagu will join me. This will be for tomorrow night uh, with John Jagu from SoccerChronicles.com and Cantina MX Podcast, uh, Devin Kerr, USL analyst, Open Cup analyst on ESPN Plus, and let's also not forget on Fox Sports, CONCACAF Champions League, and anything CONCACAF involving uh, him uh, to go and talk about this wonderful, wonderful thing that we are finally witnessing. I've said it. I've demanded it. It's a brand new way of getting these things together, um, and it's going to help this confederation become better and better and better. So with that in mind, let me just say thank you once again to both Mr. Michael Batista covering the uh, Red Bulls on Red Bulls Nation as well as uh, the Cup.us on the U.S. Open Cup and Peter Wilt on his club in Nyssa in Chicago, uh, Bridgeview, Illinois. Join me tomorrow night. We're going to talk about the expansion of the CONCACAF Champions League. And then, of course, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific, uh, the 2021 CONCACAF Champions League draw will be on display, uh, both on Fox Sports and, of course, TUDN. And I'll have Matt Rao from the Brotherly Game in uh, SB Nation uh, on Philadelphia. We'll have Eric um, Garcia on the uh, Portland Timbers. And then later on, Jason Longshore, on uh, who, who does uh, radio analy- analysts, duties for 92.9 FM, the game in Atlanta, uh, Georgia for Atlanta United. He'll be joining us after he does his little thing uh, with their subscribers with soccer down here. And then it should be a lot of fun to talk about what's going to happen with this particular draw. Um, My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you tonight for listening to this show. I always appreciate it. Join me tomorrow night and Wednesday night for more CONCACAF Champions League conversation. Um, Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Thank you for your time. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody. Take care. So long and bye-bye for now. Take care, everybody.